Small moves today, but the direction is the same. Yields are higher, so is the US dollar and equity still feeling the hurt. But we start to get inflation numbers today, starting with Australia. Could there be enough of a move to knock the RBA off their on-hold perch? And will other inflation data later in the week from Europe and the US get the markets moving? Somewhere. Somehow. It's Thursday, the 27th of September, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So, big falls in U.S. equities overnight. The Dow closed down 1.1%. The S&P has lost 1.5%. The Nasdaq down 1.6%. Big tech actually seems to have been hit the hardest. A 2.2% fall in Apple, 1.8% off Microsoft at close. Google's down 2% as well. Amazon lost 4% today. It's worth noting also the VIX index, which has been a little elevated over the last few days, hovering around 18 or 19, having spent a lot of time since June languishing around 13 or 14. So, there's a lot of uncertainty. Falls in European shares too, although the FTSE 100 closed in the green, but only just, uh, but a 1% fall in the DAX, almost as big a fall for the Eurostoxx 50. The US dollar ever higher, it's up another 0.2% on the DXY. The Aussie has lost 0.4%, down below 64 US cents now. The pound down half percent. The euro has fallen just 0.2%. The Swiss franc losing for the 11th day in a row, it's down 0.4% today. The longest losing streak since 1975. No longer the safe haven, it seems. These are topsy-turvy times, aren't they? Bond yields have moved higher, but not by much. One basis point added to 10-year treasuries, up to 4.55%. Three points added to 30 years, up to 4.68%. In Europe, most countries have seen 10-year yields uh, up a basis or two, a point or two, but eight higher in Italy, four higher in Spain, and Australian yields up another nine basis points yesterday, up to 4.4% on futures overnight. You can add a, another few points on top of that. An oil push higher. Brent got over 94.20 overnight, stuck around 94.10 now, which means it's up 0.8% on yesterday. WTI is up 1%, over 90.50 a barrel. So today, uh, it's Gavin Friend's turn at NAB in London on a day when not much was happening. We've had a sprinkling of data from the US, including the conference board's consumer confidence read. Uh, But generally, more of the same, isn't it? Yields higher, equities lower, the US dollar stronger. More of the same, only but you know it slowed down a little bit on uh, on on yesterday anyway. Yeah, morning, Phil. I think that's right. Broader market sentiment continues to sour. I mean, it's something like going back to what we had a few months ago, climbing a wall of worry, isn't it? I mean, we know September's uh, are not kind to stocks, but uh, they've rolled over and they're on track for the first quarterly loss in what about a year now. Uh, the backdrop has been here, I guess, a pattern of of, of the last few quarters of lower corporate earnings and we have this seemingly relentless climb in uh, treasury yields long term yields as you say cutting across um you know an anticipated tougher fourth quarter for earnings um then there's the bleak news on you know a likely us government shutdown the auto worker strikes ongoing and um as I say, a bit of a wall of worry. On the day, um, you know, you make the point about the US consumer confidence uh, from the influential uh, conference board's monthly report for September. It didn't help uh, in terms of, you know, sentiment. Um, so we had also had a, a fall in new home sales and the Dallas Fed's services um, report uh, was was also weak. There was a report from the Richmond Fed, which was mixed, better for manufacturing, worse for services. Um, but yeah, I think it was the consumer confidence thing that um, 
didn't help sentiment in the middle of the day. That dropped from, um, you know, from a revised 108.7 to 103. It was at 114 two months ago. So we've dropped all the way down from 114 to 103. Yeah. Um, so it's a four month low it's at now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, so what's driving that? It's, it's all the declines were in the expectations index, which is kind of strange because what tends to lead to, to drive this thing is, things like movements in stock prices they won't they won't like that so that's something that's happening here and now and also they don't like the rise in gasoline prices you know that that would be a a hit to sentiment now you might argue yeah they are here and now people experiencing that now why was it not in the current conditions but i guess it's a vote on you know future confidence because we can see all prices are up here they're not really going anywhere but higher to sideways to higher they're not, they're, there's no reason for them to come off at the moment it seems you know and the rest of it is um you know we we've got this uncertainty on the uh, on the US government and how long will that will last even though the news as we uh, speak suggests that there may be an interim bill yep. yeah it's a stopgap that you know mm. that, that buys us another four to six weeks for more negotiations but um, again that's not baked in the cake yet it could you know, fall apart and Kevin McCarthy um, might lose his yeah. job over it as well which just shows how protracted this whole thing could be and we know from history whenever there's a shutdown equities do take quite a big hit so down 4.4% in the S&P in the 11 day shutdown back in 1979 now that was a while ago and the stock market is already ha- heading south. I mean, three percent down for the S and P five hundred in 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 the last month. So maybe uh, markets have already factored this in, in amongst all the other things that are going on. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, if you look at past episodes um, and you look at what's happened to yields, they have tended, you know, um, when they go past a few days, they have tended to depress yields as markets contemplate the implications for growth. You know, I'm not sure in today's world where we've got other factors driving yields. Uh, whether it's you know supply, i.e., government issuance, um, you know, commodity prices, other bits and pieces going on, whether that will be the same, but it but it it might be. Um, and I think in the case of you know what it means for the Fed, um, you could have a, a shutdown that goes from the first of October, you know, maybe for two weeks or so. That would mean there'd be probably be no release of the early uh, October. Uh, non-farm payroll report, the mid-month CPI, and that then would make it difficult, even if government reopened then, um, shortly after, it would make it difficult for the Fed to make a decision or at least contemplate hiking rates as it has threatened uh, is, is on the cards for November uh, for, sorry for November and December if it didn't have those reports you know it, it would be blindsided and so yeah you know. and here's, here's markets searching for direction and if they're not getting any data then you know it just gets worse doesn't it so the hope is that we will see some direction starting today because we've got inflation data for the rest of this week starting uh, with Australian inflation data later today uh, it is expected to rise isn't it because fuel prices have been rising so the headline rate's going to be uh, going to be up a bit 4.9 percent year on year in july uh so yes higher this time around is the expectation yeah i think yeah that's right um fuel price the drive the main driver um but i think broadly what we're saying is it is this report will illustrate you know the upside risks on you know sticky services inflation and mm. pass through on wages um it would be we think that kind of level would be consistent with a trimmed mean for Australia in Q3 and the Q3 inflation report of 1 to 1.1%, you know, that's slightly above what the RBA has been looking at for 0.9 in the SOMP in August. Um, but we think that the RBA, this is a monthly report we're going to get today, so the RBA would likely wait for the full Q3 
CPI right. report rather than move on monthly. That's that's what it's tended to do. It gets more well, they've said they. I mean, the, yeah. The implication is, I mean, they basically said yes, they will hold unless services inflation is more persistent than expected. So you think, well, okay, you're going to have one or two more surely before, including the uh, the quarterly survey. And if labour productivity doesn't improve, well, don't hold your breath on that one. Yeah. But you say so you're saying probably not next week, but maybe the month after. Yeah, I think you've got a long way for productivity to move. Um, it sounds yeah. like they're taking a leaf out of the Bank of England's book, isn't it? Signs of ev- evidence of persistent inflation, i.e., uh, i.e., wage wage increases. Um, but they've already got, remember, from you know back from July uh, with the Fair Work Commission thing, they've got evidence of that already. Um, mm. And actually, since that point, other wage numbers haven't really followed through. So it seems to me that they do need more data, and of course, they're going to get a more comprehensive report in that Q3. CPR report than what they're going to get today, I think. Right. And today we also get consumer confidence reads for Germany, France and Sweden. I mean, there was a time, wasn't there, when we had, you know, if we saw falling consumer confidence, then that would be a sign maybe that spending would fall, inflation would therefore be tamed. And, uh, you know, central banks may hold off doing too much in the way of monetary policy. That seems to have gone out the window these days. They, if, if we're not seeing inflation going down, they don't seem too concerned. So I wonder how important these consumer confidence numbers well, are these days. And that all plays to the narrative of, of the Fed and the ECB and uh, and the Bank of England that, you know, we can see disinflation is, is moving. Uh, it's, you know, inflation is coming down, but um, they can't they can't afford to fail in getting mm. in getting in not capping inflation this round they would much rather be wrong and inflation turns out to be lower that's the situation they're in i think markets understand that but you know it, it doesn't it doesn't help and i mean we saw comments from one of the ecb hawks um late in the european session austria's holtzman unclear you know so remember the backdrop here is is that the ecb has said that you know, rates have, have, have risen to a level that if held for a sufficient period of time that will be you know, good in terms of getting inflation back to target, and markets took that as a, as an indicator that they've probably peaked at four percent. But we know the hawks don't. Not all the hawks agree. Holtzman from Austria, unclear if rates have peaked. You know, there are um, shocks out there that may force us to go higher. So he, he's referring to European labour markets and wages, which are high. They're more structural. They are, you know, more sticky, less flexible. Uh, certainly than the US labor market and i think that's the issue that that you know we're going to get inflation coming down but for the next year or two these wages are going to stay up there um and you know i mean um he's 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 also talking about a possibility of a of a pickup in the pace uh, of qt you know so this is one of the things that the ecb at the moment is looking at it's its current process is just running off the asset purchase program it's not mm. looking. It's not dealing at all with its, uh, with its, with its pandemic emergency per, uh, purchase program, the PEP, of uh, which it's got what I don't know, something one point eight five trillion worth of euros worth of holding. There's a bit they can sell off they, there, they, isn't they, there? They can, so, but they're not, they're not interested. We should be clear. They're not interested in, in active sales. They're only interested in. Um, in in the runoffs in the maturities and actually mm. uh, rather than those in the pet which are currently being reinvested until the end of 24 they want a conversation the hawks about perhaps starting that to give 
you know, that would be the kind of kicker, really, wouldn't it, if, if rates are going to pick yeah. at these kinds of levels. I mean, actually, the other well, thing, I mean, we, it's topical because we're talking about this sort of, you know, growth narrative and the US outperformance versus versus Europe. And here's Holtzman's talking about some potential upsides some positives for Europe that he sees possibly coming out of China. It's a point that we've been making ourselves. If we think that the manufacturing numbers out of China and out of the US are stabilizing a bit, that should be good in aggregate for Europe above the US. The other thing is, is that the service sector, you know, the tourism across Europe has been off, off the charts. And yet, we're supposed mm. to believe from the PMI data that some of these countries, particularly Spain and Italy, are in a, in a recession, the service sector. That doesn't really fit with some of the individual data that we're getting out of the uh, specific countries from their national data yeah. stuff. So the, it, maybe, you know, it's, 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 maybe it's not as weak as we think, but uh, as we've said before... You're trying to shine some positivity on well, it. Well, the markets will just on the let me, as they see, and, and until we see yeah, the revision... Yeah, for sure. The, you know, so let, let me just raise that, take that positivity and then throw back at you the prospect, though, of course, if, if numbers get too positive, then we start to see inflation starting to kick up again, and central banks have to react to that again as well. So, you know, it's, you know... Can numbers be too good? And on that, uh, we start to get European inflation numbers tomorrow. Uh, so that, amongst other things, including uh, you know inflation numbers from the, the US as well, uh, the week starts to get progressively more interesting, doesn't it, it? Does. from today, it basically. Does. So out of the US, you'll get the core PCE, which ought to be benign in terms of a point two at the core. Um, that's a market-friendly number. But I think to your, I think your, 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 the sentiment in your question is correct. We're going to get a quite a big drop from German inflation on Thursday. There's some stuff coming out, some base effects dropping out from rail uh, fare changes they made a year ago. Something like one and a half percentage points is going to drop out. And that means that for Europe, there's going to be about a, a half a percent, maybe a 0.6 off of the uh, headline mm. rate and the core rate as well. And so that for that will then bring, you know, Eurozone inflation possibly down to a four handle. That's, I mean, that's good news, right? But, but in the current context and with the narrative that markets have, they'll say, "Yeah, okay, Europe's getting ready for potential rate cuts." Of course, that's not that's not in the ECB's lexicon, but the market will take it that way, and it probably won't play to the even to though the Euro's, we, um, you know, strength on that one. Even though you've just explained why that's happening, which is a base effect rather than any other underlying effect, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, we've got plenty of time to talk about that. Good to talk, Gavin. Uh, we'll see what the day brings. Uh, good to have you on. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. And uh, we will bring you all that exciting inflation news on the morning call tomorrow morning, because that's what we do. That was Wednesday. Tomorrow's Thursday. We're always here. I'll see you again tomorrow morning for Thursday morning's edition. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Thanks for listening. <laughs>